The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. Just let that sink in. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have an interesting quote from a website called servicefutures.com. It says, modern corporate real estate management can surely contribute to the transformation of real estate from being a mere cost of doing business to a true value generator. Let's just let that sink in. So we've got a couple of key words in there. How about modern corporate? That's a key phrase. Real estate management, that's another one. Transformation, that's what we talk about all the time on Game Changers Radio. And cost of doing business, not so much, but into a true value generator, that's where you want to be. So what exactly are we going to discuss today? Let me give you some numbers here. Of the $25 trillion, I said trillion, in U.S. real estate assets, more than $10 trillion is owned by companies, by municipalities and institutions, not in the real estate business. Interesting. Corporate real estate is the second largest balance sheet item and the second largest operating cost for most companies. Is that true for you? Go ask your your finance department. They'll tell you. But what's going on here? Real estate is not getting the respect it deserves in the C-suite. Enterprises are overlooking the earnings and optimization potential of the capital they've dedicated to real estate. We think that needs to change. I have a panel of three experts. Two of them were on part one of this show, which we did back in, let's see, June 20th. It wasn't that long ago. And one is a newcomer to this panel. So let me briefly tell you who they are, and then we'll get started with their inspirational opening quotes. And I have a surprise for my first panelist. David, don't be mad at me when I get to your quote. David Wilk is coming on in a second. He's the Managing Director of Valuation and Advisory Services for Colliers International, based in Washington, D.C. Welcome back, David. Kay Sargent joins us. She's got a lot of letters after her name. Get this, A-S-I-D-I-I-D-A. CID, LLED with a registered trademark after it, AP and MCR.WK. That's more letters than I've heard since we talked about Winston Churchill on the show. It, she's a senior I'm principal so and director of Workplace for Strategic Accounts at HOK, and they'll both tell us what they do, what their companies do. And joining the panel, our newcomer today, is Tom Anderson. He's a director of real estate within SAP's Financial Solutions Group, so welcome to Tom. So David Wilk has sent me a quote that 
everybody thinks it's from Winston Churchill, David, but it's actually in an appendix in Churchill by himself called Red Herring's False Attribution. So he didn't say it. And I'm going to surprise you, David. It was actually put together by an advertising executive in 1938 and it first made its debut in a Budweiser ad. So don't be mad at me, but that's the truth because somebody used it on the show last week. That's how I know. Here's the quote. It's a great quote. Everybody listen up. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. David Wilk, welcome back. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Bonnie? I'm fine. What do you think about the real quote attribution? Shocker? I I got a good (laughs) laugh out of it. And what was really interesting was there was this wonderful movie on Winston Churchill that I think was playing on cable. And at the end of the uh, movie, that's what they flashed up there as being attributed to him. So I I loved it, and I thought, I've got (laughs) to capture that one. It's a great quote. It's a Budweiser ad. You know what, David? He said it probably, but he didn't originate it, and I think that's where the misattribution is. And we get so many miss. I just love looking up quotes because it's fun to see where they really came from. So this was cobbled together by somebody who wrote an ad, 1938. My goodness, that was how many years ago? Almost, I don't know, 80 years ago. (laughs) Fascinating. And the quote lives on. So, David Wilk, tell me. How does this relate to our topic? We're talking about corporate real estate. Our topic specifically is real estate and your workforce, optimizing space management. Very specific. So relate the quote for me, please. I can relate it on a personal level first, Bonnie, and then on a professional level. On on a personal level, uh, being a baby boomer, I grew up in an age where uh, – Success was the only outcome that you could possibly talk about and that you were very much afraid of failing because there was this mantra that if you were failing, there was something wrong with you or you were doing something wrong. And to juxtapose that onto today's business community and certainly the students that I teach at uh, Temple University and Johns Hopkins that failure is the best way to learn and the best way to create success for yourself in the future. So when I saw this quote, I thought, isn't this wonderful? Because it really says it's not fatal to fail. It's actually the best learning experience that you can have, no matter what your occupation is. And then um, in conjunction with my pounding the rock quote that we used last time, I still Mm -hmm. think that the, the most meaningful thing that anyone can exhibit in business or in personal life, is to have the courage to continue uh, and stand back up again when you've gotten knocked down, uh, continue to move forward and improve every day. So philosophically and corporate-wise at our uh, Collier's International Consulting and Advisory Group, our goal is to continue to innovate and create new value every day with our clients and with any of the initiatives and assignments that we work on. And as it relates to corporate real estate, uh, 20 years of trying to succeed in teaching the C-suite how to, pro- to create more respect for real estate mm-hmm. as, uh, as its critical importance to, the, to any enterprise, it's still been a challenge. And in many ways, I feel like I haven't gotten to the point where I can claim any type of success although uh, Tom Anderson and I have been working together for at least four or five years to create more ways to, to create that awareness. And one of the things that we discovered along the way was 
that the one way you'll get the attention of the C-suite is to show them the numbers and to yes. be able to say, okay, what kind of data analytics can we show you that are really going to move you to take further action? And so Tom and I have been able to develop some really cool things together over the last few years that we're hoping to create uh, more resonance with in the future. And I think one of the things that, but our standard statement is, and it'll continue to be this, is that creating greater awareness of the strategic value of an enterprise real estate portfolio is critical to enabling business success, no matter what technological disruptors are out there. Very, very interesting. I, I'm so intrigued. I want to go back a little bit to the quote, David, and thank you so much. Great overview to our topic, and you mirrored a lot of what I said in my intro, and I appreciate that. You validated it. Uh, David, what do your students say when you say, well, what another way of saying the quote I just gave from you is fail fast, fail off. And what do your students say? They say, well, that's not why my parents brought me up. Or seriously, I'm allowed to mess up? How many chances do I get? What's the reaction? The reaction is actually really interesting, Bonnie. It's a, it's a new mindset that they mm-hmm. have because most of the students that are in grad schools and in undergraduate schools right now, they have this great number one, social consciousness, which is really admirable. But two, they have this entrepreneurial spirit where they really want to divide, define their own pathways. And I think that there's so many case competitions and so many ways that you can uh, show your skills in college now, undergrad or graduate, that they really understand the idea that you have to try it and you have to really go after something. And if you don't get it the first time, it's only going to help you. Because I think they look at guys like uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and others, and they say, well, wait a second, these guys quit college. They dropped out, and they became the most successful, some of the most successful business people in the world. What does that mean for me? What do, what's my takeaway from that? And the takeaway is if you find your niche and direction and you realize that that's the way that you want to dedicate your life, that you're going to fail along the way, but you're really go- it's going to be worthwhile because of where you'll ultimately get to in the future. The learning experience. Thank you very much. I appreciate you letting me go a little bit off topic here, but I was so intrigued with what you said, David. Appreciate it, and we'll be talking with you a lot more during the show. And now let me circle around to Kay Sargent joining us again. Kay, I can't believe how many letters you have after your name, and when we get to the what's in your cup and telling us what you do, I'd love for you to define all those for me, seriously. Kay has, okay, you got it. Kay Kay likes John le Carré. She sent us a quote from John le Carré last time. John le Carré, real name is David John Moore Cornwell, born in 1931. October 19th, he's coming. He's a Libra like me, coming up with a birthday. Better known by the pen name John le Carré, British author of espionage novels. His first novel, third novel rather, is so popular, The Spy Who Came In From The Cold. Back in 1963, he wrote it, became an international bestseller in one of his best known works. And he actually worked for MI6. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking James I Bond here. I did not here. know that. There you go. It's it's in the bio. He left after it became the bestseller. He left MI6 to become a full-time author. And in 2011, he was awarded the Goethe Medal. I don't know what that medal means, but it sounds very important to me. So here is the quote Kay has selected this time. Listen up, everyone. This is really interesting. A desk is a dangerous place from which to view the world. Kay Sargent, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. 
Thanks for coming back. I, I have so many questions to ask you, but first let's talk about the quote. Why is a desk a dangerous place in which to view the world? And are we talking about the desks or the table in the C-suite where they're not realizing the strategic value of their real estate portfolio? What's your POV on this? Well, well I, I think the, the quote is basically saying that you need to get up and you need to experience the world, right? And if you're just an observer and you're not necessarily an active participant, then your perspective might be a little bit jaded. So, you know, and, and I think there's also another meaning to this, which is there's a huge refocus right now on human sustainability and what are we doing to get people up, active, and moving in the workplace so that uh, they can be healthier and happier and more productive. And so we're really designing environments right now that encourage people to be nimble, to be agile, to move, to get out there, and to experience. And David, I love your quote. I've got five kids. I don't necessarily want my kids to fail, and I get the whole thing about fail fast. But I think, I think what we're really encouraging people to do is experiment. Get up there and try new things. Get a different perspective. Uh, see it from a different angle. See it from a different viewpoint. And see if you can find something that you're passionate enough about that moves you physically and emotionally and spiritually moves you. Because change and progress is not made by people that, you know, continue to sit at their desk and continue to kind of do the status quo. It's done by people that are willing to take chances or willing to go out there and to do something different to get up from behind the desk and to engage and to really experiment and go forward and find a new path. Thank you very much, Kay. Appreciate that. Before we go a little further, could you just share what a couple of your letters mean? A-S-I-D, I-I-D, A-C-I-D. What are they? Sure. So American Society of Interior Designers, International uh, Society, or International um, uh, Interior Design Association, Masters of Corporate Real Estate, uh, Lead Professional, which is the sustainability uh, credentials, and then Certified Interior Designer. And there's a few Thank others, but I stopped putting them after my name, but that suffices. <laughs> Thank you very much. I was teasing you when I said I haven't seen that many letters since since I gave a full bio of Winston Churchill because he's one of the, the people in history who's often quoted on the show, rightly or not quite so rightly, not quite so accurately, who has so many letters after his name, and I, I just was intrigued that you do. Um, I, Kay, when I pull up these bios of some of the, the authors, the attributions for the quotes my panelists bring, they have so many things in terms of what they've done. You know, a printer and an activist and a poet and a memoirist and a filmmaker and a musical genius. Mm -hmm. And it, it never ceases right. to amaze me. We don't say that about ourselves today, do we, anymore? We, she is a blank, blank, blank. It, usually it's one or two. Do you think there's a change in the yeah. culture that we have to... We're, we're tight on time and we can't say too much about ourselves. Just quickly, what do you think? I think we've gotten to a point where we're, you know, we're very specialized, right? And we tend to rely on other people and we have access. I mean, we don't necessarily have the need. I mean, Thomas Jefferson had to be everything because he just didn't have access to, you know, to other people that could do it for him. So he had to. And he had to be a jack kind of of all trades. Today we're living in a time where we have fast access. And so we don't necessarily to do that. But going forward, I think we really are seeing a rise of, of generalism again, and people mm -hmm. you know, want to be uh, a little bit different. And I will say, I get asked all the time um, by family and close friends, so what is it that you do for a living again? Right? <laughs> Nobody really needs, seems to understand that. And I guess one of the <laughs> biggest compliments I can get is when I'm working with my clients, 
and you know, my background is interior design, but I'm a workplace specialist and a security specialist, and you know, all kinds of different things. You know, that you've, we've ventured into in the 35 years I've been working. But the biggest compliment I can get is when somebody will look at me and say, "I, I thought you had like a social science background or a psychologist or something," because literally, when you're dealing with people and you're trying to get them to change or embrace something new or really understand, you really do kind of become. Um, a, an anthropologist of source about how people are working and, and uh, functioning today in the workplace. Thank you very much, Kay. I have trouble uh, when I tell people that I, I do, I produce, I host business radio. They say, oh, can you give me some stock tips or what gas station should I go to or where are the best prices on, on insulation? It's like, no, that's not what business radio is. Oh, I thought you were advertising for local. But no, 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 no. And I have to say enterprise. I say, well, what what do you do? Oh, I talk about supply chain. I talk about the C-suite. Say, what? <laughs> no. Yeah, well, every, everybody, anytime I say I'm an interior designer, everybody wants me to come over and help them pick out, you know, their <laughs> furniture or whatever. And I spent years doing, you know, security design and, and you know, huge corporate campuses and, you know, massive portfolios, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, most people don't really understand what we do. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't know. From a we, real we're just... estate standpoint, yes, from a real go estate ahead. standpoint, Bonnie, every time I mention to someone that I'm a real estate advisor, <laughs> the first thing they say is, oh, my cousin... Uh, the sales agent, <laughs> you sell houses for Remax or someone. Like, anyway, it's so there's, a, there's so much misunderstanding. In, Absolutely, in I was just just thinking all that we do. We're all going to have to say that we're memoirists, we're advocates, we're act. We're going to have to use very broad. Like if you take it from Maya, if you combine Maya Angelou and Michelangelo, their bios, and take all those wonderful words about everything they've done, we could all be some of that, and people would just be thrilled and amazed to know us. Well, I'm if, leave. if I could pick any title, it would yes. be provocateur. Ooh. That would be my title. Okay. Because I love I, going around and kind of challenging people and saying, why are you doing this? And is it really the right thing? And what are you trying to do? So Gadfly is a little e- provocative <laughs> in my official title if I could pick it. Okay, I want to share that title with you. I want that too. Definitely provocateur, challenger, or or knocker of will, tilter of windmills. I think is his part. Mm-hmm. We, thank you very much. Tom Anderson is waiting so patiently. Tom, I did not forget you. I promise. We're just having such a great conversation. We want you in on a Tom at SAP has sent me a quote from William Arthur Ward, W A R D. I think this is the first time we've had Ward on the show. They're not sure when he was born. Tom, his his date has a, a notation on it. It says 1921. That's all. There's no day of the month on it. But 1921, and he passed away on March 30th, 1994. He's a writer of inspirational maxims. More than 100 of his articles, poems, and meditation. So he was obviously prolific. Okay, we can all say we're prolific. More than 100 of what he wrote were published in Reader's Digest, The Phi Delta Kappen, Science of Mind, and Christian Publications. His column called Pertinent Proverbs was published by the Fort Worth Star-Telegram in the American Service Club publications, and he was frequently quoted a writer in, quote, an international weekly digest for public speakers. Okay, let me get to the quote. This is a long one, so everybody just sit back for a second. Here's the quote Tom Anderson has selected from William Arthur Ward. Do more than belong. Participate. Do more than care. Help. Do more than believe. Practice. Do more than be fair. Be kind. Uh, my my scro- screen is moving here. Do more than forgive, forget. Do more than dream, work. Tom Anderson, 
What a beautiful quote. How are you, Tom? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Bonnie. Oh, delighted. And and talk to me about this quote. And it reminds me of Kay's quote about don't just sit back at the desk and watch the world go by. So tell me, how did you pick this quote, Tom, for what we're talking about today? Let's let's put the, the crumbs there and, and draw the dotted line for me, please. Sure. As we as we go on today's discussion, I expect we'll spend some time talking about the nature of the workplace and how it's changing. And as we talk with customers and, and deal with this within our own organization, oftentimes, you know, when it comes to a design thinking session or a session in which we collaborate, there are those who, who stand on the side, right? And mm-hmm. they, they are hesitant to, to delve in and really uh, get get in and, and, and participate deeply or to really put in the work that's required to to drive success. Or if someone says something that they maybe don't agree with or don't like, you know, they end up getting, you know, unfriended on Facebook. So mm-hmm. I think for us going forward in this new paradigm of working, that is so important for us to really look at it and say, I need to participate. I need to help others. I need to practice hard if I really want to succeed. And I need to be kind in my dealings with other people and let Maybe things that uh, we don't possibly agree with, roll off our skin and move forward and just try to collaborate and work together. I think that's a key today. Collaborate, co-innovate, talk to people, uh, get off of email and actually get get away from the desk and talk to people. Very interesting lesson. In, in terms of real estate, how would you apply this to what we're talking about today, the strategic value of corporate real estate? Tom, any thoughts on that? Well, I I believe that we really have a change that's occurring and where, you know, work isn't a place where you go. Work is a place where you go to collaborate and to be with other people to perform mm-hmm. a task. So there's a change that's happening within our offices. And as we go to place to our, our office to, to maybe work on a specific project, right, we really have to find ways to to get together as a team and to develop new and exciting things together and, and to improve the ways we develop and to move forward. So that's Thank kind of you. how I see mm-hmm. the, the things changing so much within, within real estate today. You know, uh, so much of our space is, is, is changing in, in, in how it's being designed and how it's being utilized, and it goes around with a lot of the demographics and changes that are occurring within society. Tom, is there such a thing as virtual real estate in a corporate portfolio? I'm just putting this out there. Maybe I'll take it around the table. I work remotely. I have for many years. I produce Game Changers Radio for SAP from a home office. Used to be on Long Island, moved to Durham, North Carolina a year ago. I need to be in my office with the equipment, with the headset, with the tie line, with the setup that goes with producing live radio many times a week. And it would be very hard for me to be in a quote-unquote office. Am I considered virtual real estate of the company I work for? Is there any such thing as virtual real estate or is that not even considered in the portfolio? Because it's strategic right? It's strategic and yeah. it's where I am, but it doesn't exist in physical space that the company owns. Just any thoughts on that? I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not part of their, their portfolio per se. Um, 
but as a company, you need to provide ways for you to, one, be successful in your work and to be able to collaborate with uh, those on your team or your coworkers, right? Whether you're using uh, new technologies to, to share and to whiteboard, even though you're in different continents or offices around the world, it's really important to have these tools that allow you to to work together even though you're not in the same location. I'm in the same boat as you. I'm assigned mm-hmm. to the uh, Palo Alto office, um, but I live in Salt Lake City. So obviously ah. I never go to my, my office. I'm a virtual employee, but um, I get up every morning and go to yep. work and have yep. successful days, you know, in which we collaborate and develop new things. That's right. Exactly right. Kay and, and uh, David. David Wilk, any thoughts about the idea of virtual real estate? I know about giving your employees tools, allowing us to collaborate, communicate. It's all good stuff. But is there any thought about the, the value of virtual real estate in the corporate portfolio? Or are we simply talking about physical footprint of buildings? What's your thought, David? Oh, absolutely not physical. I think the, if there's anything that we're learning and taking away right now, and a lot of this I've learned from working with Tom and, and with Kay as well, is that um, the holy grail of real estate within an enterprise is connecting the use of real estate with the productivity of the people that are in the enterprise. And what can and we've been working for years and will probably always be to try and figure out what's that magic formula for enhancing productivity through the creative and innovative use of real estate. So one way of enhancing productivity is to have a virtual relationship with our workplace where, like you and Tom both mentioned, you can still be at maximum productivity without having to be in, in an office. And I think that, that, that there's two benefits to the enterprise of that. Number one, they, in theory, they have to pay for less physical space, which saves money. But more importantly, and I think Kay mentioned this earlier as well, you want your employees to be passionate about what they're doing, and you want them to love getting up in the morning to do what they do. So virtual real estate may be a full part of a formula of doing that and of mm-hmm. creating the maximum benefit from the people within your enterprise, especially, which I learned from, uh, from Kay and some of her research, that 70% of the U.S. workforce is disengaged meaning that they're just not happy in their job. And I would, mm-hmm. wouldn't want to wake up in the morning if I had to do something that I couldn't stand or was dis, disengaged from. So I think that's, that's one big key. And then physically, there's all these new debates going on that we'll probably get into more on this call about what happened to the idea of the open work plan, workspace plan, and what is the right physical configuration that really leads to collaboration, as Tom spoke about. So it seems to be constantly moving, but I think net-net, most enterprises should not need to have physical real estate for its passionate employees to be as great as they can be. And, um, and going forward, I think the technology disruptors out there of artificial intelligence and um, blockchain and some of the other things that are going on are going to further that curve in terms of creating this new paradigm of working environment. Thank you, David. Kay, love to get your thoughts on this. I know I'm steering us a little bit into the ether here, <laughs> but I, I'm still curious. You know me by now. Kay, no, what are your thoughts no, about I, virtual? Look, we, we, 
Yeah, we could talk an hour just on this, so I'm going to try to be as succinct as possible. I think 10 years ago, when technology really untethered us from having to go to work, the big question was, why do we even need place anymore? But I think in the last 10 years, that question has been answered. We're human. We're creatures of habit. We like to pack. We like to be around people. We're very, very social. And so it's really important to do that. Uh, but the most important thing is to design spaces that give people options and choices. Okay? And what we found is the people that are the happiest are the ones that can work remotely or distributed work is what we really call it, Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe one or two days a week. If you're always away from your teammates, it's really hard to bond and connect and to innovate quickly. And if you're always with them and you don't have any choice, you start to take them for granted and they actually start to be an annoyance. So giving people options and choices and empowering them to decide when and where to engage, I think is really important. And one of the things that uh, we're really trying to steer for. And I think when companies discuss this, and you know, there was a huge debate when Marissa Meyer of Yahoo brought everybody back into the office and everybody said, mm-hmm. remote work is dead. I'm going to challenge that and say, no. Businesses have cycles. They have cycles when they need to innovate. They have cycles when they want to sales. If, if we have a company that is sales or consultative oriented, having their people in the office every day is not making them money. They need to push those people out into the field. And so we design spaces that encourage that and encourage when they do come together, it's about collaborating. Okay? If you've got a company that needs to innovate it's really hard to do that when all your people are scattered to the winds. And so for those companies, we design spaces that are really geared to having people come together every single day. And for a lot of companies, they, they're a little bit of both, and they go through cycles. And so, you know, Yahoo, they needed to innovate. And so they had to bring everybody back in to really do that efficiently. Uh, but when companies need to sell something, they push them all back out. So it's it's really important that it aligns not only with how people work, but the mode and the cycle that the business is in. And distributed work is absolutely a major part of everybody's real estate strategy and approach today. Thank you, Kay. What an interesting perspective. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm glad I brought it up. I'm just going to give a heads up to our panelists and to Justin, who is our engineer today. We're not going to take a break. We're just having too good a conversation here. So what I need to do now, pro forma on Coffee Break with Game Changers, is go around the table and find out just a little bit more from our panelists. We're already deep into our conversation, but three questions for each of you. David Wilk at Collier's International. First up, questions. Number one, where in the world are you today? You may have mentioned it but i want to hear it again number two what's in your cup right now if it's interesting if not what's your favorite favoritist i'll say it like an eight-year-old what's your favoritist drink in the whole wide world that makes you smile like i see in your wonderful pr picture here and third question is just give us a little bit about your current role at colliers international david you're up first do we have david wilk I was, on, I was on mute. I apologize. Oh, no. Um, no, go ahead. I am uh, at, at my home office in Greenville, Delaware, which is right outside of Wilmington. And uh, my two little doggies, Mikey and Molly, are upstairs being quiet and cooperating during our, uh, our live radio broadcast right now. So I'm in my home office. And um, <laughs> I think that 
what's in my cup this morning. Um, just a lot of gratitude, Bonnie. A lot of gratitude for being able to get up every morning and absolutely love what I do. Uh, I have this wonderful position at Colliers International as managing director of their real estate valuation and advisory group and the Washington, D.C. office. So I get to spend a lot of time in D.C. and my office is one block away from the White House. It's at 16th and I Street. And Washington, D.C. is just an inspiring place to me as long as I just ignore the politics of it. But as (laughs) as a city of history and as a city of beauty and awe, I just am awed every time I go go there and feel very, very blessed to do that. Uh, and, and what's really interesting about my background is that I grew up in the valuation profession. Everything I've done for the last 35 plus years has been about estimating value and about creating value of all types of real estate all around the world. But what I've really done over the last 10 to 20 years is find ways to create value not just real estate value, but human capital value in placemaking and within cities and reimagining urban areas. And, and I get to do that not only through my real estate platform, but also through my academic platform of teaching students and teaching communities how to create human and real estate optimization in their communities, which is a, a huge thrill. Um, and my, my favorite drink is probably my morning cappuccino, uh, and I'm, I'm a tremendous water fanatic. I drink mm-hmm. so much water every day because that's my favorite drink probably of all. Very, very Thank healthy. You. I was waiting for the drink. I knew you'd get to it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Kay Sargent, you're next. Where are you? What do you love to drink that powers you? And give us a little update on what you're doing at HOK. Sure. So I'm actually in Charlotte, North Carolina today. Uh, the IFMA World Workplace is here, um, and I've just come back from being in Europe for a few weeks for Cornet and IFMA Nordic conferences, et cetera. So, um, and David, I, I love Washington, D.C. It's one of my favorite cities. I've lived there, and I've not been able to spend enough time there this month and probably won't. Uh, didn't last month either, but absolutely love Washington, D.C. What is in my cup today is iced tea and lemonade because anytime I travel internationally, uh, nobody does iced tea like we do in America. I don't know. You know, the Canadians, it comes in a, in a can. In Europe, if you ask to put tea in something, they look at you like you're crazy. So yes. I literally land on the continent, and the first thing I have is a hamburger and an iced tea, and I can't get enough of it. So iced tea with lemonade. And my role at HRK is... Um, Gordon Wright and I are co-directors of the workplace team. That means that we have multiple clients that have multiple projects with millions of square feet of real estate all over the world. And so last year, our team um, delivered 55 million square feet just in the workplace practice uh, in 44 different countries. And Gordon and I really oversee the management of that, working with those clients. Because if you've got millions of square feet of real estate, you want to make sure that you are looking ahead, you're being thoughtful, and you know what is coming. So we do a lot of thought leadership. Uh, we meet with a lot of our clients. We visit. We speak at a lot of conferences. And we really try to be in the know and on the cutting edge of what is happening so we can consult and work with our clients to ensure that we're giving them the best solutions possible. Thank you, Kay. And I think your drink is also known as an Arnold Palmer. Am I right? It's a non-alcoholic yes, it com- combination. 
Iced tea and lemonade there. You knew I was going to look yeah. it up. You, you knew. Reed yeah. Drummond also has a uh, the, the uh, Pioneer Woman Cooks on the foodnetwork.com sweet tea lemonade recipe. This looks like a really good one if you want to go through all the details. And we'll leave that for Love people it. to look. Yes, thank you very much. And I'm leaning out the window here in Durham, Kay, and I'm waving to you in Charlotte. You're a couple hours away. But if you see the curly redhead uh, in the garden with the shiny spinner in the front yard, that's me, okay? So you could wave back okay. whenever you can see me. I'd appreciate that. Thank you. you Otherwise, my, na- my neighbors will think I'm crazy sitting out there waving toward the Charlotte direction. Thank you. Tom Anderson, you are being thrown into the deep end here on Game Changes Radio. Tom, where are you today? What do you absolutely love to drink? And just fill us in on what your role is as Director of Real Estate at SAP's Financial Solutions Group. Tom. Sure. So I'm actually in uh, Layton, Utah, which is a little north of Salt Lake City today. Um, I'm glad to be here at home because I've spent the last three weeks out of the country in uh, Mexico, Germany, and India, and it's nice to finally be home. Um, And my cup, I actually have a Diet Dr. Pepper, which is my go-to drink. Um, I can't get it anywhere outside of uh, the U.S., and it just kind of has a little bit of a different flavor to it, and it just kind of refreshes me a little bit. So that powers me and gets me through the day as I work around the time zones, um, supporting our customers and account teams. And what do I do at SAP? Well, I have an interesting role in that I'm responsible for SAP's real estate solutions, whether that's uh, for corporate real estate or commercial real estate, residential, to ensure that we develop products and solutions that meet our customers' needs. Um, So I get to spend a lot of time with customers around the world and talking to them about their their needs and where they're going and strategies and what solutions we can build to help them be successful and manage their uh, real estate more efficiently and productively. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you, Tom. And now I'm circling back. We're going to take a deep dive very quickly into our roundtable. My three panelists have sent me some wonderful discussion statements here. And let's see where we want to go. I have part two here from David Wilk. David, uh, let's talk about, okay, here's a good one. Connecting technology disruptors and management information systems will create a measurement model for corporate real estate within enterprises that measures the contribution to earnings and values. This sounds very technical to me. I'd love for you to dissect it for us. Just take about a minute and a half, tell us what it all means, and then we'll see if Kay and Tom agree with you. David Wilk, go ahead. Thanks, Bonnie. Uh, In my initial comments, I talked about the whole idea of trying to demonstrate to senior management how real estate can really contribute to earnings and value. Mm -hmm. And I think that Over the last five years, we've gotten closer and closer to being able to create management information systems that measure the impact of real estate's contribution to an enterprise through what we call different stages of change management or as the corporation continues to um, evolve. And so that's really been one of my primary roles at Colliers and at other companies is to create a technology and actually have created a a personal technology called Creed, which is a corporate real estate earnings diagnostic 
that will basically, and, and this is something that Tom and I have co-innovated together and, and I kind of hopefully inspired each other on, um, that will allow a company that's really not even that engaged in looking at real estate as an enterprise value to actually take a chance and give us 15 minutes of fame to be able to point out to them how much real estate could contribute to their earnings. And I would call it hidden value or surprise value because it's usually unexpected. Interesting. Okay. Kay Sargent, agree or disagree? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, it's interesting when we're consulting with our clients, you kind of want to know who are you and what do you have, right? And I think a lot of our clients don't even really understand what their corporate culture is, what their organizational DNA is, and how people really are working. And so it's really important to be able to assess what that is because it's kind of like if somebody came to you and said, hey, will you, will you, will you pick out a wardrobe for this person? Mm-hmm. Well, sure, but... Who are they? You know, boy or girl? Are they? Is it a man? Is it a woman? Are they five years old? Are they fifty years old? What do they do? What are they like? Where do they live? You know, there's a, there's so many questions that you need to understand before you can do that. And so, if you can't even uh, pick out a wardrobe without asking questions, how are you supposed to design an entire workplace without really understanding who it is that you're designing it for and those? So, understanding those analytics, and then um, not only so that you can design the right space but so that you can monitor how it is evolving and how you need to adjust it and tweak it because change today is not something that happens once. Change is a constant. And so people are constantly evolving. And I, I think one of the things I heard recently that really struck me, and the first part is not that shocking, it's the second part, but the first part basically was we are living in a time where things have never moved as quickly as they do today. Yep. but they will never again move as slowly as they are right now. And that second part is the thing that I don't know if people are really prepared for, that we, have got, we are now living in a time where we constantly have to be nimble and be able to uh, innovate, and data and information is what's going to fuel us to make the right decisions. Thank you very much. Tom Anderson, thoughts, please, on what David put on the table for us? Yeah, for so many years, real estate's been considered just a cost center, right? A necessary evil to do business. And it's interesting if you look at the, the skills that Kay's area can bring to the table that, you know, real estate can also be a way to increase productivity within an organization as well as um, really help unleash the power and earnings potential of your, your company. So having good analytics and insight into how your organization is running is, a, is key for success. And as Kay said, it, this change is occurring so rapidly that you have to be nimble and be able to adapt quickly. So a metric or a KPI that was uh, very effective uh, 10 years ago is certainly not effective today. You know, you, you can say, oh, it, it's all about workplace utilization. Well, I can have a really high utilization number. I just put more people in a work area, mm-hmm. but that doesn't increase productivity. So we really need to find ways to unlock real estate and have teams collaborate and work together as we change the nature of the workspace, and then we can unlock its potential going forward. 
Thank you very much. I'm going to move on to some notes here from Kay's list in the interest of time because we are heading, we are lunging toward the end of the show in about 12 minutes. I want to make sure we cover some more. Kay, you say we're no longer designing environments. We're designing the experience. We want to ensure people are happier and happier engaged. Kay, not so many years ago it was be lucky you have a job, you're employed, you have a paycheck, stop complaining, right? Yeah. Now we want our, is this a millennial thing? And we've talked about this on many of our Game Changer shows. Millennials have said, I want to work for a company that has values. I want the company to create value and do good for people around the world. I want to enjoy my work. It's not just the paycheck. Is that spreading that need for the experience spreading across different demographics in the workforce, Kay? Okay, so so first of all, I don't think it's just a millennial thing. In fact, I actually mm-hmm. think the millennials have gotten a really bad rap, and I think, quite frankly, baby boomers have too. We care about that stuff too. We just never knew we could ask for it, right? The recipe for success in my day was you start at the bottom and you work your way up. Everything has been flipped upside down now. You know, when you have 25-year-old entrepreneurs that are millionaires because they yeah. bought the system, you know. So there's a whole new thing, and so I think um, it, it's, Everybody across the board wants to have meaning and purpose. It's not really just the millennials. They just were bold and really pushed it forward. Um, I think, though, we're also seeing a time where you used to have to go to work. You don't have Mm -hmm. to go to work anymore. And so now um, the question when we're designing spaces and helping people build buildings is, are you creating an exciting enough place that people choose to go to and they choose to work for that company. Because 20 years ago, the question that we asked was, all right, how many people do I need to fit? And what we quickly realized is the number of people is not the constant. It's always changing, always. What's constant was what are the people doing Okay, and so then we changed the question 10 years ago to be, what are people doing and let's design to those tasks. So we created activity-based working where we created a whole different um, ecosystem of different spaces that people could go to do the specific tasks that they were doing at the time. You didn't have to sit at one desk a day. You could choose. But today, the real question is, what is the experience that you want people to have? Thank you very much. We want them to have a good one. Tom Anderson, join the well, conversation. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're, she's absolutely right. I mean, we go to work to to perform a specific task and a specific function, not because we have to be there. And by designing spaces that help collab- teams collaborate and work together really drives a great deal of value for a company because having the right people by each other in discussing topics is where you can really unleash the value to your organization. I, I think Kay's group is on to something huge. Good to know. David Wilk, what do you think? Kay on, is Kay right on? Yes, absolutely. And I think that um, the, the whole idea of different organizations that and each one of them, we hear, we hear the word culture used all the time. Each one of kind of creates their own culture. And I can remember with some of the large firms that I was working with, one big floor firm in particular, they wanted everything. 
they wanted you to be there. They wanted you to be 80% billable. They wanted you to have 3,000 hours a year on your timesheet. They wanted you to market. They wanted you to produce. And they wanted you to engage. And so you, you didn't have a choice. You just kind of had to do everything. And then you kind of come. And but, but it was this great learning experience where you felt like you were in this candy store full of knowledge. And then in other groups, um, they kind of have a culture where they're looking for passionate, uh, dedicated people that don't need to be micromanaged, that can go out and do, do what they want to do. And so that obviously creates a completely different environment. So um, going, going forward, uh, the whole idea is how do you engage your workforce, as Kay said? How do, you, how do you create an experience at work that resonates with them inside and brings out the best that they have together? And that's not easy. It's really challenging to do that. But once you, when you see these great companies that just have this, you know, I've used the San Antonio Spurs culture as being one that is just over the top. But once you see that, you really, you really appreciate what it can do in terms of results for the enterprise. Thank you very much. Speaking of results, uh, Tom Anderson, I'm circling around to you. Want to get one more point in here? We're officially in about 90 seconds in our crystal ball predictions round, but this is important. Tom says 79% of all electricity consumed in the U.S. is for buildings. Commercial real estate vacancy is about 10%, but on average, 40% of a building is not being utilized at any point during the day. The old real estate model is inefficient. Companies will begin to use digital technologies to either fill the space within their portfolio. So, Tom, can you just give us a little uh, background on this this data? Is this current, and and do you think it's going to change? And then, David, get ready for your prediction. I'm going to come around to you in about 90 seconds. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, this is current, and it's uh, really strange that, that the largest or second largest expense item for a company is real estate, but it, you walk around a floor space in a building, and generally 40% of that space is not being utilized because it's allocated to somebody, it's allocated to a department, but no one's there on that day. So it's an extremely expensive proposition, and this model is very, very inefficient, and companies are saying, well, hold it. If I can redesign my space to have more flex desks or hoteling or collaborative workspaces um, opposed to a desk that's assigned to somebody, mm-hmm. I can really change the way we work, I can improve productivity, and I can reduce my real estate expenses all at the same time. This is changing the way we use our buildings and the way we operate as, a, as an organization. Interesting. I remember when I worked for Nokia, I was supporting the IntelliSync, IntelliSync mobile suite uh, as a marketer back in the day in White Plains, New York, in an absolutely gorgeous building. Kay, talk about an experience. The building had waterfalls and the stairwells and reclaimed lumber I and on the on walls. I worked on that project. Oh, God, it was beautiful. It was building. Former IBM building, and it was. I was there for a couple yeah. of years, commuting from Long Island, and I remember at one point mm-hmm. they said, 
if you're not here at least three days a week, you no longer have a permanent desk. You're going to be desk sharing. And these were cubicles with open space desks. And they said there'll be a couple of floater desks there, but we can no longer provide permanent workspace if you're just here one or two days of the week. I was pretty much distributed at that point at working from home a couple of days a week. So I had to go through that. It was very interesting. You couldn't leave any personal belongings, but then these days in offices, I don't think people do. But I digress. Thank you very much, Tom, for those statistics. We're circling around to Mr. David Wilk. Time for predictions. We have to be really, really tight. I'm going to give you 45 seconds each. I, I'm sorry, but we've just been talking so much. It's been great. David Wilk, what's going to happen to corporate real estate in terms of op- optimizing workspace and the employee experience uh, between now and I'm say between now and 2020, which is very close. Do you think anything major will happen? Go ahead. Give me your prediction. Worst case, best case, go to 2025. David, go. All right. I'll talk fast, Bonnie, but thank you. (laughs) I think that companies will realize that in addition to all the other chief officers they have in the C-suite, they need to create a chief real estate officer position for that, whose responsibility is to show how to optimize real estate and deliver new earnings and cost savings that way. And I think that will be something that it's happening now, and it will continue to get stronger. Uh, on the technology side, I think that blockchain is going to be a game changer for corporate America in many ways, but in the real estate space, it's going to be a huge one because of all the leases and own properties and uh, different uh, information controls that could be in place. So my students and everybody I talk to who's younger than me, which is almost everybody now, just kidding, um, <laughs> is telling me that blockchain is something that we all need to get our hands around and make sure that we understand how to innovate that into our workplace and work patterns. Thank you very much. Kay Sargent, ready to go. Let's hear your prediction, please. The Internet of Things that artificial intelligence is going to rock our world in the next 10 years. And I think in the short term, it's going to be very advantageous and exciting. In the long term, I think it can be a little daunting, overwhelming, and almost frightening. And I think we as a society need to be very, very mindful about how we move forward. We're living in a time where things are changing so quickly, we're all jumping on the bus before we even realize where it's going. And we need to stop, and we need to make sure that when we move forward and we adopt some of these things, we are doing it with purpose and full understanding of where it's going to take us. Because otherwise, we could end up in a very, very scary place. We don't want to be scared. Thank you. Tom Anderson, 45 seconds. Use them well. Go ahead, please. Well, you know, Kay and I are pretty much aligned on a lot of these things. I was also going to say that artificial intelligence is going to have the most profound impact on real estate and those who work within those buildings. You know, think about all of the data that's being collected through sensors and um, being able to analyze that using machine learning to truly propose models of where teams should be located together and how they should work together and who should co-locate and how we should be using uh, collaborative workspaces. But also, groups of people who have typically been outside of the automation area, people who have been insulated from automated tasks, such as attorneys, are going to be impacted by machine learning, which can take a lease and abstract it in a matter of minutes opposed to hours. And it can do that in multiple languages opposed to having to translate that with with very, very specific uh, people. 
So it's going to be very interesting to see how groups that aren't used to being impacted by technology are and how they respond. Thank you very much, Tim Anderson. I want to thank our three special panelists, David Wilk, Colliers International. Thanks for coming back. K Sergeant, HOK, always a pleasure. Tom Anderson at SAP, thank you for joining us. And a shout-out to Jennifer Bucco, B-U-K-O at SAP, for putting this panel together in the first place a couple months ago and for helping me bring them back. You rock, Jennifer, and thank you so much. And I'm Bonnie D. Graham. It's been a very interesting conversation. Hope you learned something because I certainly did. Thank you to Justin Jackman at World Talk Radio for being our engineer today. Aaron is moving, in case anybody wondered. So he's out of the office today. We're sending him best wishes on a very smooth move to a quieter place to live. Aaron and Shantae. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? I mean it. Go out and be a game changer today, just like David Wilk at Colliers International, just like Case Sergeant at HOK, and just like Tom Anderson at SAP. I'll be back 2 p.m. Eastern right here today on the Business Channel with a live edition of Changing the Game with HOK. R, and you don't want to miss that one. We're talking about simplicity in HR technology. Is it possible? We're going to find out. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.